0: some guy for in tucson? rainbow rainbow. Rainbow. rainbow yeah it's a. Uh, it's the only music store in, t- in tucson area that works on guitars or that they're good at it you know what I mean now, I'll, I'll swear by Ernie Eric Neil what I can't remember his name but he's the head technician a rainbow and he is good and he knows it <laughs> he did
1: Good morning FCC Church.
2: Hey, hey, good morning.
1: And good morning. <laughs> good morning. There we go. And welcome to another wonderful Sunday morning here at FCC. I hope everybody's doing well and survived this little snowfall that we had that it all melted. Could you please stand up and worship along with us?
3: Exodus 11.45 says, For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. You are to be be holy because I am holy. Let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity we have to come together this morning. We thank you so much for the blessings we have in you. Lord, we're here to lift up the name of Jesus together, and we thank you for that opportunity. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Glad that you're here to worship with us today. We're here to lift up the Lord together. This morning, please make sure you fill out your connection card. They're in the they're in the seats in front of you, and if you or you can fill them out electronically. And if you're online, you'll see a little banner across the screen that uh, will give you an opportunity to do that. Before we continue singing this morning, a couple things. I Want to make sure that. Um... <laughs> okay, the God was calling me again. Um, anyway, um, we're going to take about three minutes. And the introverts love this time of the service, by the way. For you to go around and say hello to somebody, please go by and say hi to somebody you haven't talked to yet. Make everybody feel loved and at home here at First Christian this morning.
1: i James, chapter 1, verse 12, we read, Happy is the one who endures testing, because when he has proven to be genuine, he will receive the crown of life that God promised to those who love him. Mm-hmm. to the cross (laughs) where your love 6 9 so we must not grow weary in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not give up
3: I'm glad that snow's gone. <laughs> I didn't move here for that. It's all Crystal's fault. That's why we moved her office out here in the foyer. <laughs> I like, we ain't have any of that in the office. <laughs> No, we appreciate uh, some patience with our construction we've been reworking the offices because we've had ceiling damage because there are two types of flat roofs those that are leaking and those that will leak and we're in the those that will leak stage and we're getting that fixed so it's good to see everybody today and today we're in week five of our core 52 series and in this series called core 52 we are looking at 52 passages of scripture that'll give us the highest return on investment there are a lot of passages of scripture in the bible and they're all wonderful but if you've ever read Leviticus, which, by the way, we're in one of the passages there today, uh, whenever, if you've ever read Leviticus, you're like, oh my, oh my, I struggle with that one. But we're looking at 52 passages that if you read them and you understand them and see how they fit together, you're going to understand a good chunk of scripture, and it's, real, it's a real blessing. In the first four weeks, uh, we have been looking at a series within Core 52 called Beginnings. In our first four weeks, we examined the beginning of the world and the beginning of humanity. And really, if you don't have that base, am I, am I loud out there? I don't know. I'm, I'm just getting a lot of reverb up here. Um, but if you don't have that base, what ends up happening is you don't really have anything to build on. You know, science tries to tell us that oh, it all got here by accident. There's no creator. There's no designer. But yet... Their, philo- their, if you will, philosophy, their, their religion, because it's basically a religion, because you have to take what they tell you on faith in that part. I would believe aliens did this before I believe it just happened with no help, but, because there's a lot of things that happened. But anyway, what we learned is we saw in, the, in Genesis 1-1 that God created the heavens and earth. It didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen by happenstance. God deliberately created it. And we also see in the second week, we saw that God created humans. So we didn't evolve from monkeys or from amoeba. God created us with purpose. And not only did he create us, he created us in his image. And his image is implanted in all humans because we're in his image. And then we looked at how things got messed up. Uh, Adam and Eve were given the opportunity to exercise free will. They did, unfortunately, which we all do. And it caused problems. It marred that image. And then two weeks ago, Jerry shared with you how God took the very first steps through his covenant with Abraham to get things right, to fix it so that we could overcome the image that we marred. A covenant is an agreement based on a promise, and God made great promises. He made a covenant with Abraham, with one person, so one day through that one person he could bless all nations. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at a second part of our series within Core 52 called Set Apart. Set Apart. I think most people want to feel special. Uh, if, you're, if you're married, your spouse wants to feel special. They don't want to feel like they're just part of the, part of the baggage. Uh, I think in life we want to be that. I think we love, we'd love, to be, to be, we love being chosen. Uh, we need to feel valued. No one wants to go through life thinking I'm a worthless piece of garbage. Nobody cares. The world doesn't care if I'm here or not. I think we intrinsically want to feel special. We want to be chosen. In the second series, we're going to explore what God looks for in people, what he wants from those who choose to be a part of his family, which, by the way, he chooses. In other words, if you choose to follow Jesus, you're part of the chosen ones. Calvinism's really messed that up. God didn't in the beginning say, well, you're saved, you're not, you are, you're not, because that would contradict so much scripture that says, hey, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Today, we're going to begin this four-part this four series and set apart with a, very, with a subject that I think is very, for lack of better terms, misunderstood, and that's holiness. You may have heard or been called, well, you're holier than thou. Or you may think, when you think of the word holiness, maybe or being holy, maybe you think of a person who just thinks, I'm a cut above. I'm just a little bit better than you. I'm holy and you're not. The nation of Israel did that, by the way. Today, as we cover holiness, I hope that we can clear up those misconceptions because we need to clear those up so that we can embrace that which we were called to be. And so we're going to look at that today. Today, we're going to be in our memory verse from Core 52, so you're going to get plenty of exposure to it, so maybe you walk out here today and you've already got it memorized. Leviticus 11.45, it says this. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. And you are to be holy because I am holy. So, and the subject of holiness, first of all, what I want to look at is what does it mean to be holy? When you think of that word, what thoughts or images come to your mind? Do you think of things that are pleasant and positive? Or does it conjure up things that are negative? And maybe, like, I don't want anywhere near that because I don't want people thinking I'm holier than thou. When you think of someone who is holy, what picture do you have in your mind? Do you picture somebody who's humble before God or somebody who's arrogant saying, Look at me? Do you think of somebody that believes that they're possibly perfect or they're haughty and arrogant about it? See, the nation of Israel fought that. God never intended for it to be that way but they saw their holiness as something that, hey, we are better than you. Well, look at what that means. I've heard this phrase a lot in my life. Well, Christians just think they're better than everybody else. Well, if you're a Christian, you don't think that because you know that what you have in life comes from God, and it's not from your own way you live. It's from the God that you serve. So to bring any mis- to, to knock out misconceptions about holy, the word holy is a very simple word. It means to be set apart for a specific service. That's all it means. It doesn't mean arrogance. It doesn't mean haughtiness. It doesn't mean better than. It just simply means something that's set apart. That's pretty simple, isn't it? If you read your text this week in your devotional book, which you should be following, Mark Moore is going to give he gives some examples from everyday life. We take every or, everyday ordinary objects and we make them holy. We set them apart for a special purpose. Now, this isn't the one I use. I keep it in my office as a just-in-case. Is uh, it my age? I forget things sometimes. Like, oh, my, I need a toothbrush. Toothbrush. Okay? The great thing about a toothbrush is it, got many, it has many uses. You can use it to brush your teeth. Uh, you can use it to clean the toilet. You know? Please don't do that with your spouse's toothbrush. <laughs> uh, you can brush your dog or cat's teeth with it. You can, if you're in the military, maybe you <laughs> had the privilege of scrubbing a floor with it. You can use it, on, a lot of times with my bike, if I want to clean my bike chain, I can get one of these and it cleans the chain up really nice. You can apply hair dye with it. There's all kinds of things you can do with this. It reaches spots that are hard to reach with other things. But see, I'll tell you something about my toothbrush. My toothbrush is holy. You know why? Because I've set it apart for special service to me. My toothbrush is holy to me, it's for me. I don't want my toothbrush used for any other purpose other than brushing my teeth. Not only that, I don't want anybody else using my toothbrush for anything. I guard this, my toothbrush. I'm selfish about my toothbrush. If you come to my house and say, man, my teeth feel like they're falling out, I'm like, you need to go buy a toothbrush. You're not using mine And if you use mine, it's no longer mine I'm not putting that thing back in my mouth I don't even want my wife brushing her teeth with my teeth Now, I kiss my wife all day long I'm not afraid of her germs Because if she's got it, I've got it But I just don't want her messing with my toothbrush I don't want to go in the bathroom And find her scrubbing the toilet with my toothbrush (laughs) Or cleaning her rings, you know, with my toothbrush Because my toothbrush is holy It is set aside for special service That service is to brush my teeth Now, in the tabernacle and later on in the temple, many items were considered holy. Why? Because they were set aside for special service. All the objects in the temple were ordinary objects. There was nothing in themselves that was special about them. But however, what made them holy is when God says, you're going to use this in the tabernacle. You're going to use this in the temple. God said, these things are set aside for me. So you didn't take the things in the temple and use them for everyday uses. You didn't use them for other uses. They had specific purposes. God said that it was they were holy because they were set aside to serve him. Now, in Leviticus 11.45, we're taught that to be holy by implication means that we're to reflect the character of God in our lives, that we're to be living in a way that we live the, like we're set apart. We're to live a life of purity because God is pure. We are, be, we are to be dedicated to him in all aspects of our life, See what we've done in the United States, and I can't speak for other places, what I've seen with a lot of Christians, is we try to separate and make certain parts of our life holy and certain parts of our life not holy. Look, if you belong to Jesus, you, you've been set apart. There's no sort of following Jesus. It doesn't work that way. In our passage, God, what He does in 11:45, first of all, he reminds people who He is. I am God. And then he says, by the way, here's what I have done. I led you out of Egypt. And then he says why he led them out of Egypt to be their God. And so we're going to hit on that a little bit more later. But we've had, we've had all kinds of objects set aside for special service in our homes, things that we specifically use. <laughs> when I first got married, I think I've told you this before, but we, we, we were very blessed that the only thing we got a bunch of were towels because I kept asking people for towels because for some reason when I was growing up, towels seemed to disappear. But anyway, we, we had towels for many years, but we also had two electric knives and we had one other thing we had two of. My wife said, I'm going to take these two back. And I said, you want to keep the electric knife? No, we don't need to. I'm like, okay. One day my wife comes home, I'm filleting bass out on the back patio. Guess with what? Her electric knife. See, she didn't envision me using that electric knife to gut fish with. And she wanted it set aside for something different holiness has nothing to do with someone thinking they're better than others holiness has it's all about knowing god and knowing that god has a plan for you and fulfilling that calling knowing that god has taken you as a christian when you made that choice which anybody can make by the way you're not chosen in the beginning at random anybody can make that choice and once you make that choice you are set aside by god God tells his people. It started out with Israel. So it says, Israel, you're holy because I'm holy. And then it spills over to us as Christians. You're holy because I'm holy. Let's look at our passage again. You're going to get this one memorized. For I'm the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt to be your God. And you are to be holy because I am holy. So that brings us to a second observation. What does one do to become holy? Do you just declare yourself holy? For you those of you who watched the office years ago, Michael he wanted to declare bankruptcy, so he stood up in the office and says, I declare bankruptcy. Well, it doesn't work that way. And the same with holiness, I can't just stand up here and say, I declare that I'm holy before God. It doesn't work that way. See, (laughs) one becomes holy because God chooses them to be holy. When you're in Christ, You are one of God's chosen people, and you are chosen by God to be holy. See, my toothbrush, now, I don't, like I said, I I haven't used this one before. I keep it in the desk in case I need it. But at home, I have an electric toothbrush and my toothbrush heads. Now, what I do is I go on Amazon. Now, I I have a Phillips toothbrush. Hopefully, they'll send me free ones for that plug. And uh, I don't buy the Phillips ones because they're too expensive. Man, those are expensive. So I look for the generic ones that are as soft as possible as cheap as possible they get the job done so i don't go to amazon and say man what's your most expensive your most perfect toothbrush heads i don't to be honest with you i get the cheap ones because i go through them a lot and i don't want to spend 15 bucks on a toothbrush head because i'm kind of cheap i'd rather spend that 15 on my something for I me mean, for my wife so <laughs> um so i didn't pick the toothbrush heads because they were already special or holy they became holy when I received my box from Amazon. I pulled that toothbrush out, put the little little ring on it, stuck it on the toothbrush handle, put the toothpaste and stuck it in my mouth. At that point, it's holy. At that point, it is not used for anything else. And it's not for anyone else because I had deemed it that way. There was nothing special, nothing special at all about the toothbrush heads. But I chose one and said, you're holy. We're going to spend a lot of time together. Every morning and every night, and sometimes in between, I make an appointment with my toothbrush. God's plan expanded from one person to one nation. He started with Abraham, and so he chose that one family so he could bless a nation. He chose that one man so he could have a family to bless, and he chose that family so he could choose a whole nation, and he chose a whole nation so that one day he could choose you so you would have the opportunity to be a part of his family. It started with God's covenant with Abraham. Abraham then had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. They were the patriarchs of it. And what's interesting is when you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph, by the way, was a brat. I tell you what, if I was his older brother and he pulled that stuff on me, I would have been saying, we need to whack this kid. He's mouthy. But the thing is, Joseph wasn't, he he was a mess at times. Moses, all the patriarchs, when you look at them, Which ones were perfect? Joseph was pretty awesome when she got through his punk stage. Uh, He was pretty awesome. I guess jail will do that to you. But anyway, none of them were perfect. Which ones were super holy, perfect people before God said, "Man, man, Moses, you're the most holy dude I've ever seen. I'm choosing you. Or Joseph, man, you are so holy. I'm choosing you. How many of them earned the right... (laughs) to be used by God. Was the nation of Israel holy when God said, wow, man, this nation is a cut above. This nation is better than everybody else. This nation I love more than any of them, so I'm going to choose you. God chose the nation of Israel to be set aside for service. They were to be priests to the world. They were to be an example of what it meant to follow God, and they failed miserably at times. But God didn't choose them because they were better than any other nation. He didn't choose them because, oh, I just love these people more than anything else. As a matter of fact, there are many times God's like, hey, Moses, we're going we're to get rid of these people and start from scratch, you know, after the calf incident. I don't blame him on that. But see, he chose them. The Bible didn't tell us why. The Bible doesn't tell us why he chose Abraham. It doesn't tell us why he chose. But he chose them, okay? And then because they were chosen, then they were holy. The choosing by God, the setting apart by God, makes them holy (laughs) many times we want to clean up our act and come to god we want to try to be what we can't be without him people that don't want jesus they're trying to be what they can't be without jesus because they cannot stand up i am holy i am set apart for no god does that when you're baptized into christ you're set aside god chose them to be his people And he didn't choose them just to showcase them. They weren't his trophy nation. They were to have a relationship with him. He set them apart for a very special purpose to represent him, to reflect him, to reflect his nature, to reflect his love, to reflect his justice, his mercy. But they got messed up because what they thought is, well, my life is about following these rules. And they took a lot of pride in them. Man, I can follow these rules. Check me out. And as Christians, we have to watch that trap. Well, I don't drink, and I don't smoke, and I don't do this, and I don't do that, and we have this list of things we're not supposed to do. Well, I'm not doing those things, so when well, look at me. I've got it together. In the meantime, I have no relationship with God. That's what the Jewish nation did. They had no relationship with God. Boy, they did all the right things, though. And Jesus constantly hammered them about that, constantly said, you got it wrong, guys. See, why did God go to the trouble of, of having a chosen people? because he wanted a relationship what was the point of all this what does it have to do with you god chooses you to be holy when you're in christ that's what he wants he sees you as special you are so special that even before you come to him while you were yet sinners while we were yet sinners christ died on the cross and you were so special to him that he would have sent his son just for you the world doesn't make you feel special God, the creator of all things, he knows you, and he sees you as someone special. I've always said, you'd really like me until you get to know me. Well, God knows me, and he still loves me. Anyone who has ever picked last or anything knows how deep the pain is of feeling unwanted. You know, on the school ground, we used to play kickball. I guess in school today, when they play, they all take their phones out, and they just sit there like bumps on a log and play with their phones, I guess. I don't no wonder kids are having struggle with their, with their weight. But anyway, the, the fact of the matter is, we used to do that, and so you'd have two captains, and they choose teams, and you're always hoping, man, I'm going to get chosen. And there's inevitably those people that's like, you really didn't get chosen, you were taken by default because you were the last one left. You ever felt that way? I always hated it because athletically, I was not a, a professional athlete, by but I was a good athlete. I worked hard at my, what I did. Um, I, had, I was motivated because I was angry. But anyway... When I didn't get picked early, it really burned me because I was better than a lot of those kids that were getting picked, but I wasn't their, in their crew, if you will, I wasn't their buddies. And so I know that sting of rejection. There's some of us. Some of you sitting out here would just dream to be the first one if you're standing, that somebody pointing at you and say, I'll take you. I'll pick you. I want you to be on my baseball team. I want you to do this or do you to do that. There's something special about being chosen. <laughs> when I was in high school, back in the stone age, um, we were kind of old school. The guys asked the girls out, okay? And the guys didn't ask guys out, by the way. The guys asked girls out. I'm just saying, I'm I'm not judging here. And the girls typically didn't ask guys out. There was one exception, the Sadie Hawkins dance. They just had it at Buena this weekend. Princess, I saw one of her pictures. Man, she looked really pretty in that little outfit. I wouldn't let her out of the house looking that fine, guys. But anyway, it was a, as a guy, unless you were a jerk and, and rich, you, you, you got used to being rejected a lot. And every rejection, it just made it harder and harder to ask a girl out. And for me, you know, if you put it like baseball, in baseball you got low A when you first get into the, in the league, and all the way to professional. Well, I was in low A, but I was always asking out the professional looking, you know, I was always swinging for the fences. How I got my wife, I can't believe she said yes, by the way. She had to think about it a few days, just so you know. But uh, it was hard because you fear rejection. But the good thing about the Sadie Hawkins dance is you could make the girl feel the rejection. You know? Now, whoever the Sadie Hawkins chick is, I've got issues with her. If I ever meet her, I'm going to have words with her. I don't like her she's a mean cruel person and like I said Buena just had their dance and it made me think of mine of all the years that I could go I never got asked except once and the one time I got in trouble so my dad and mom wouldn't let me go now whenever it was Sadie Hawkins time I'm I'm, I'm, you know I'm always glass-half-full guy and I'm thinking every pretty girl walked by I'm like she's gonna ask And and I'm like, she's walking by. And then, of course, I'm like, man, she's pretty. The next one walked by. And then, after a while, of all the major league pretty girls walking by, I said, okay, okay, that's not going to happen. Okay, how about the decent looking girl? That's fine. Decent looking girl comes by, yeah, you're nice. Just walk on by, just walk on by. And finally, I got, look, if you're a female, I'll just say yes, okay. It was frustrating. I wanted to be chosen. We become holy because God chooses us in Christ to be holy. There's nothing mythical, there's nothing mysterious about it, there's nothing voodoo about it. When you're in Christ, you're chosen. It's a great feeling. Let's look at our passage one more time. For I am the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt to be your God. And you are, called, you are to be holy because I am holy. So that leads us to why one needs to be holy. Now, from our passage, we see God tells us who he is. I'm God. He tells us what he did. He redeemed them. He brought them out of Egypt. And he tells us why, because I want to be your God. I'm picking you as my people. But then he says, here's what I expect for my people. I expect you to be Holy. As I said earlier, it started with the nation of Israel and then it spilled over to Christ, those in Christ. Uh, Peter talks about this. He quotes the passage. It says, For it is written, You shall be holy because I'm holy. So Peter's saying the same thing that applied to Israel as God's chosen people is also for God's chosen people through Christ. You're to be holy because God is holy. Now, here's the problem. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to go through Core 52. If you don't understand Genesis 1:1 that God created the heavens and earth, not that it was some evolutionary accident. And then Genesis 1.26, where God created people in his image that you didn't just come up from some monkey or some amoeba. And then if you don't understand those foundational truths that God created and that you're created in his image, why do you need to worry about being like him? Because there's no him. And if you don't understand that the fall marred all of us, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, you won't understand why why this passage in Leviticus is so important so many things that God asks of us are in that and to help us in our pursuit of holiness of being what he sees us as so my life is to be set apart I am called to conduct myself as a citizen of heaven I am called to reflect the God that I love and serve to reflect the God who sent his son to die on the cross In verse 45, it begins where he talks about the redemptive work he did with the people. He says, hey, I brought you out of Egypt. I saved you. This serves as a powerful reminder that holiness is not merely a set of rules to follow, but a response to God's grace. And as I said, this is where the nation of Israel messed it up. They thought their relationship was just about a bunch of rules. Look, God, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Pat me on the back. Make, I'm doing great. But Jesus says, yeah, but you're just a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but your heart is a mess. We are called to be holy because what he who he is and what he's done for us. God calls us to be holy. His, his, his call is not just arbitrary, but it's rooted in his nature. Notice he says, be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. And see, we're called to emulate his purity, his righteousness and his love in our daily lives. As his family, we're to mirror his character and bring honor to his name through our words, through our actions, and through our attitudes. See, God doesn't bully people, neither should we. God doesn't mouth off at people while he lurks in the shadows, stabbing them in the back. God doesn't do that. Being a Christian's not a game. It's not just a name we wear. It's a life that we're called to live. And we're called to live it because we appreciate what's been done for us. See, Galatians 2.20, Paul reminds us of the type of life we're to have. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life that I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Folks, this is the type of life we're called to live. Quit making life about you. Quit making it about me, myself, and I. And we got to make it about Jesus. That's the call. The nation of Israel was called to be a witness to the world. But in their pride and their arrogance, they forgot that. And as Christians, we have to be careful that we don't forget that also. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. Our pursuit of holiness is not only for our own benefit, but it is also for those around us. Striving to be like Jesus, we prove, will prove, as to, it'll, we, it will prove to be a powerful, powerful message and testimony for those around us. But on the flip side, if we call ourselves by the name of Jesus and we cheat people and we slander people and we gossip about people, and we stab people to get what we want, that also serves as a powerful testimony. When we're out in public, bad-mouthing brothers and sisters in Christ, that is a powerful testimony, but it's not a good one because the rest of the world says, see, you don't believe what you teach. You don't believe what you proclaim. So our life is a testimony. Holiness is not just about that external behavior. We know this from Jesus because, believe me, if it were about external behavior, the Pharisees nailed it. These dudes were counting dill seeds and giving god a tenth of them that's meticulous but jesus says you're like a bunch of dead men's bones you are like a cup that's pretty on the outside but filthy on the inside would you take a cup and just wash the outside and have it full of all kinds of stuff and drink out of it no it's gross and jesus says when you just act a certain way but yet your heart is a mess that's gross because people will see right through it holiness is about that relationship it's about getting to know him and then our behavior will be based on knowing him so therefore our inside is clean and the exterior actions match what is inside we are no longer trying to fool people into thinking that we are what we aren't and when we call ourselves by the name of jesus and we aren't trying notice i said trying to live the life we're putting up a false front the pharisees weren't even trying They were just putting out the front. Hey, during prayer time, they made sure that everybody saw them. When it was time to give offering, they made sure that they took a lot of change in there so it made a lot of noise. They wanted people to see them. And Jesus says, men are going to applaud you, but God doesn't really care. (laughs) My toothbrush. I want this thing to be holy because I chose it. I don't want my toothbrush cheating on me. I don't want to find my toothbrush in somebody else's mouth brushing somebody else's teeth. belongs to me. I don't want my toothbrush scrubbing some toilet because that's not the calling. I don't want my toothbrush scrubbing grout or scrubbing bike chains or cleaning the white wall, the white letters because I'm old school, like my white letters on my truck. I, I, I don't want to catch him doing that because my toothbrush is holy it's got a special purpose god doesn't want me using myself for purposes that aren't his purpose for callings that aren't his calling for doing things that aren't his things for thinking things that aren't his thoughts for saying things that aren't his words and man that's hard thank god for the holy spirit within us to help us because if we listen to the holy spirit we'll have some conviction in our life so Holiness isn't, is not some mystical thing. It's actually pretty simple. You've been set aside by God for special service. God has chosen you in Christ. When you willfully step into those baptismal waters, when you've had faith, when you've repented, you've confessed, and you've been baptized into Christ, you're going to rise and walk in a newness of life. Your sins are washed away. You're going to receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which marks you as belonging to God. Guess what? You are chosen, and you're called to be Holy being a Christian, folks, is not a game. It's a life. And if you're ready to quit playing the game and start living the life, this morning our praise band is going to come up and lead us in a song of decision. And if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that today. I've said this many times. You know, I, I, I don't want you to feel sorry for me for the Sadie Hawkins dance, but I just thought it fit so well. And it was true, by the way, Um, um, I think we all strive to want to feel relevant you know as I'm getting older I'm feeling that pressure even more when I was 20 and 30 or a teenager I didn't think about it much but man when you start pushing 60 you man you start thinking about things and you think man I've only got x you know you you look at the calendar and and you think man okay at this point I'm not going to be here and who knows I might not be here tomorrow either so I need to make the most of my life The world has said things about me and to me that don't matter anymore. What matters is, what does God say? What does God do? What does God think? What does God want? And that's our call. And I know many of you have been beaten up by the world. They've tried to make you fit into boxes that you don't fit into. But you know what box you fit into? The box with Jesus. And if you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you need that new life that he wants to offer, if you want to be released from the burden of your sin, the burden of your past, come forward today. If you're not ready, I hope that at least the wheels are turning and you're starting to think about it. If you're an immersed believer and like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. And if you're struggling and need prayer, if you want to come forward, I'd be glad to pray with you this morning. But if you have a decision to make for Christ, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing our song of decision.
1: Many times that I have felt the world was crashing down upon me. You always stood here by my side. You were always always there.
3: This is a time when we come around the Lord's table for this time of communion. And, you know, when we reflect on our passage in Leviticus, I love the way God is. Sometimes things are a little complicated, admittedly, but most of the time God's pretty simple. He just tells the people, I'm the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt to be your God, and you're to be holy because I'm holy. And he really makes it simple. That's not complicated. And when we come around this table, it's not complicated because what it is, it's about remembering that that cup represents the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. When you understand that you are marred by sin, you need to have that image restored, and it's done through the blood of Jesus. As we get into the Old Testament more and all the sacrificial things, and we start seeing some of this as you read through it, it brings you to the point where you say, okay, I understand now because I've got a core that helps me to understand why God... Man, Leviticus, slaughter this, kill this, slaughter this, kill this. Man, there's a lot of killing there. But it shows you how, how sin is so how God just despises it. And, but on the other side, it shows how much he wants us to be back with him. I'm glad we don't have to do that because, you know, honestly, since I've had my cats, I don't think I could shoot an animal ever again. I used to hunt. I can't do it again. I just can't. So I'm glad I don't have to do that. I'm glad that when I, I'm in Jesus, that his blood was shed on the cross so that mine didn't have to be, which if mine was done, it wouldn't have mattered, but his blood was shed. He was the perfect sacrifice, and the, cup rep- or the, blo- the, the bread represents his body that was broken, that was beaten, the punishment that we deserved. You know, when I was a kid, my mom, back in the day, some of you kids are going to have to Google this, but we used to get spanked, okay, quite often, by the way, um, but you know what? They didn't get me for everything, but they got me for a lot, well, from what I've done in my life, God deserves, I deserve a royal, probably a beat down from God, but Jesus took that for me. So when we come around this table, we are remembering that Jesus took from us what we deserved, and he took it on his shoulders, and we're thankful for that. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful as we come around this table that we can remember what the, blood, what the cup and the loaf represent, And Lord, we also need to realize why it was done. It was done because of your deep love for us. Jesus loved us so much, by the way, that he took on this responsibility. And I pray, Lord, as we take our communion this morning, I pray that we look into our hearts not to try to condemn ourselves, but to motivate ourselves to get closer to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. the inside of your bulletin we have our announcements for this week the only activity we have going on at the church tonight is our super bowl uh, and chili soup and chili cook-off going on Um, if you would like to watch a super bowl we're watching it on the big screen tonight Uh, also if you would like to play games you can bring board games in they'll be doing that in the fellowship hall bring in your favorite soups and chilies and then bring anything else that'd be like snack foods and stuff so that we can uh, bring enough to share for people it'll be a lot of fun we'll have a good time with that this week, uh, Jules has her group on Tuesday. We have a leadership team meeting on Tuesday. We have all of our Bible studies this week. Friday on primetime, we're going to Mandalay. That's an, our adult dinner group, and you're welcome to come. But we need you to uh, register by 5 o'clock on Tuesday. Um, with that being said, sometimes I have one or two extra spots in case somebody gets a hold of me at the last minute and says, hey, can we go? But anyway, please get registered for that um, because uh, we, we, we need to have an account when we go to uh, Mandalay. Also, we're a couple months out, but when we do our next off-road adventure, we're going to go back to the Mexican border trail. We plan to go into Patagonia yeah, Patagonia, to Velvet Elvis. So for that particular group, we really need you to sign up when we put the sign-up sheet out because we have to make reservations. The last time we were making reservations on the ride up there and they said, hey, you guys really need a reservation if you're gonna do this. So we'll get that information out soon. Um, We have Operation Christmas Child. They're accepting donations for toys this month. You can see that in the bulletin, along with Peach's Pantry. Also, uh, Dan Munt and the Silva family would like to invite everyone to the Family Adoption Celebration Saturday here at the church in the Annex Building. They're asking you to bring a dish to share, so it'll be a carry-in. Okay, this month is our faith promise emphasis. And faith promise is how we fund our missions. We don't come to the church every week begging you for money. But what we do is during the month of February is we, we give you information about the missions that we support, and then you can make a pledge to support those missions above and beyond what you normally would give. And so um, we've been focusing, last week we did Southern Mexico Mission when Adrian was here. This week here in a second, I'm gonna show you a video from Boise Bible College. And they're one of the missions that we support. You should have pledge cards in your bulletin. You can also go online. And we've, if you go to our church homepage, you'll see a place where you can link. They're anonymous. So we don't put your name on them. We don't need to know who gives what. We're just looking for an idea. Uh, the first week we had um, uh, $14,700 come in for pledges from, I forgot how many families it sells me here, 17 families. We didn't just have 800. We had four, uh, four, whatever I just said, 4,700. But anyway, um, at this point, I'm gonna show a video from... Um, Boise Bible College.
2: Greetings, Sierra Vista. Scott Lerwick from Boise Bible College, and I am now the acting president. And I just want to take a moment and to share a story with you. It's a great example of how your generous support makes a big difference in the world around us. Uh, Trent Adams uh, came to Boise Bible in 2019. He grew up the son of a missionary in Zimbabwe, and when he came, he was just satisfying his parents' desires. He had planned to go back after his freshman year to be a professional hunter and to live in the bush. But it was during that first year when he started to notice others around him, and his heart began to change. He began to see that the world needs Jesus, and then in the spring of 2020, COVID hits. And so his plans to return to Zimbabwe were changed, and unable to go home, he starts another year, and and he begins to see people outside of himself a little more. Specifically, the international students in our community. So he starts volunteering at a ministry at Boise State University, and this continued for a few years. But it was during his senior year when Trent started praying and asking the Lord if he should continue in this ministry after graduation. Well, it wasn't long after that that the details began to fall into place, and he received housing, which was a big deal. And so just after graduation this past May, he began this team full-time, building relationships with international students. Uh, He's been teaching them about Jesus over meals and at events. And can I just say, this is the kind of heart change and growth that regularly happens to students here at Boise Bible Colleges that gain both experience and education as we equip them for ministry. And hear me, we can only do this because of the generous support that we have from friends, like you at First Christian in Sierra Vista. You've been a faithful partner for many years, and I am grateful for you. So Boise's
3: one of our Faith Promise missions. At the end of the year, we sent them a $10,000 check to help them with some things that they had doing. And we can only do that because of the generosity of the congregation, so we thank you for that. Um, Our next video is going to be our memory verse video for the week. It gets a little repetitive, so bear with it. But you need to repeat if you want to remember. So go ahead and pull up our next video.
4: Core verse number five, Leviticus 11, verse 45. Hey, that's kind of a big deal. We're now in the second book of the Bible, Leviticus 11, verse 45. It's two simple sentences. The first sentence is this. For I am the Lord, we're doing a lot of pointing, right? For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. So Lord, God, Lord, God. What did he do? He brought you up out of Egypt. Why? To be your God. For I am the Lord. 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 Who brought you up out of Egypt? 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 Say it until you can't hear it or think it in any other way. Who brought you up out of Egypt? For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt. To be your God. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. That's sentence number one. What's the reference? Leviticus 11.45 Leviticus 11.45 For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Now, why is he telling you this? Here's sentence number two. You shall therefore be holy for I am holy. Again, this is my halo for holiness. You shall therefore Be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You therefore, or sorry, you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. holy. Got it? Let's put the two pieces together. For I, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt. Did you hear me stumble a little bit? That's perfectly natural. You get the second phrase down, the first phrase you're going to have to review a little bit. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy for I am holy. Leviticus 11 verse 45. Let's do it again. Leviticus 11 verse 45, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 11 verse
0: 45.
3: So that's your verse for the week. And we encourage you to do that. Memorizing scripture is so important because there's so many times in life where things happen and God will bring to mind what you've got in your head. So fill it up, fill it up with God's word. Okay, that's all the announcements we have for today. As far as prayers, we have a, on the back of the bulletin, we have prayer requests. As I said, we have had 17 pledges for like $4,700 come in so far. Um, we have people that we've been praying for on our prayer list. We're praying for Chip. He had some news this week that he's working through uh, from its health standpoint, uh, Sean Sarters had his surgery and his last I heard was doing really well. Uh, Brad Riker, uh, Ricard, um, he's not doing well this morning. So we're going to be pray- praying for him. He got home the other day. We have a whole lot of other people we've been praying for, we're praying for our troops and for our shut-ins. We're focusing in on Peach's Pantry and you see an announcement in the bulletin about something that they're looking, there's some things they're needing and we're focusing on all, all, all of our missions this month, particularly this week on Boise Bible college, um, because they are our featured mission. So at this time, let's stand together. We'll go to the Lord in prayer, and the, and the band will give us a song to walk out on. Father, we're thankful that we could come together today. We thank you for that blessing. And Father, I pray that as we live life this week, we live it with conviction, and we live it with purpose, and we live it with joy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.